To our first unofficial episode of our very first podcast. My name is Nabila. My name is Talasi. And this is Not Your Model Minority. The reason we call it an unofficial episode is because it's really an opportunity for us to explain our podcast and, and introduce it. I guess the first thing we should probably do is explain our name and, and what a model minority is. The model minority is a myth, and for years it's been used in North America as a racial wedge between Asians, including South Asians, and other POCs, persons of color, including Black communities. The model minority myth is based in eugenics and white supremacy and characterizes Asian immigrants as polite, law-abiding citizens who have found success as a result of innate talent or their work hard immigrant mentality. It not only poses a problematic idea that Asians are a monolith, but it's also used to suggest that the failure of other POCs like black people are not a result of inequities and racism, but somehow their own fault. This myth also erases the racism and inequities South Asians experience and forces us to approximate whiteness. So basically to assimilate and not really question the broken system we've immigrated into. This podcast was created to disrupt this myth, to basically create opportunities for South Asian Canadians to take a step back and critically analyze the space within which we're living and working, operating, influencing. We want to dismantle this myth that Canada is a country free of institutional injustices. And through this podcast, we're hoping to encourage our South Asian community to learn and unlearn and self-reflect and engage civically to help build something better. So like Nabila has been kind of alluding to, both of us are members of the South Asian community. I'm Tamil Canadian. I was born in Norway, where my parents immigrated to from Sri Lanka. So we lived in Norway until I was about 12 or 13 years old, after which we moved to Toronto. So I've lived in Toronto for most of my adult life. Um, I spent a couple of years in BC where I went to law school. I just graduated in April. And now I'm back in Toronto where I'm working as a student at law. So I'm a Bangladeshi Canadian. I was born in Bangladesh and immigrated to Canada at the age of five with my parents. Um, we immigrated into Toronto and Toronto is basically all I've ever known. I've grown up here and uh, went to school here. And currently I am an employment and human rights lawyer practicing in Toronto. So although Talassi and I are both South Asian, we think it's really important to express that we don't speak on behalf of all South Asian people. South Asia itself is made up of many different countries and diverse cultures. And uh, when we actually speak about South Asia, I guess it's important to define what we mean by that. So South Asia not in only includes Bangladesh and Sri Lanka, but also Bhutan, India, Maldives, Nepal, Pakistan, and most definitions also include Afghanistan and Myanmar. In addition to that, we should also probably express that we don't speak on behalf of all Bengalis and Tamils. 
What we really can only speak to is our own personal experiences and views and observations. Yeah, I agree with that. And just adding to that, I think it's also important to just point out that there is huge cultural diversity, not just in the South Asian region, but within each of these countries that Nabila just listed. Even just at India, as an example, there is a huge amount of cultural diversity in India, not just in the country itself, but in each state. Many different languages, many different dialects, and a, just a huge variety of cultural practices. So just like Nabila said, we don't speak for all South Asians, and we don't speak for all Tamil Canadians and all Bangladeshi Canadians. Um, we all have our own experiences, but at the same time, we also have many things in common. For instance, we are, for the most part, most of us are children of immigrants who migrated to Canada in the hopes of a better life, better opportunities for their children. So the opportunities that many of us have had in terms of education and access to various resources is pretty much attributable to the sacrifices that our parents have made. But that's also only one facet of our identity, um, being children of immigrants, but because we are also settlers. So we have to recognize that our ability to freely exist in Canada on colonized lands, it plays a huge part in the continued oppression and genocide of indigenous communities in this country. So I want to take this moment to acknowledge that the land we're living, working, learning, and creating on is the traditional territory of many nations, including the Mississaugas of the Credit, the Anishinaabeg, the Chippewa, the Haudenosaunee, and the Wendat peoples, and is now home to many diverse First Nation, Inuit, and Métis people. We also acknowledge that Toronto is covered by Treaty 13 with the Mississaugas of the Credit. So in the last couple of weeks leading up to creating this podcast, um, Nabila and I have had many discussions about how to best do land acknowledgements um, in a way that is respectful and not patronizing and in a way where it doesn't come off as a token gesture. I think it's important for us to, obviously we have to recognize that land acknowledgements are absolutely essential for not just for reconciliation, but also it's important that we acknowledge the kinship ties that Indigenous people have with this land and just to acknowledge that they are the original occupants of this land. But in order to avoid a a, uh, gesture that is completely devoid of any meaning, um, I think in the weeks going forward, and we welcome everyone listening to hold Nabila and I accountable on this, going forward, we want to make sure that we take a couple of moments to just reflect on why we're doing land acknowledgements, and also to just make sure to keep this topic and other Indigenous issues part of an ongoing conversation as we move through the next couple of weeks and forward. And also to make sure that we kind of reflect on how we can act in a concrete way, because Land acknowledgements are meaningless if they're not followed by meaningful action. So Nabila and I, we want to make sure that we're consistently um, cognizant of our identity as settlers. But at the same time, like I mentioned earlier, we are also children of immigrants. So that's, that's something that we want to be sensitive to. You know, we have to ask ourselves in terms of um, our parents and our ancestors, we have to ask ourselves, what were the circumstances that constrained them or caused them to to immigrate you know and what does what did coming to canada mean for them so these are just some of the questions that we want to bear in mind as we move through this podcast 
most South Asian people immigrate to Canada in the economic class, which broadly speaking means that they come to Canada um, in the hopes of better employment opportunities. And there's also those to, that immigrate as refugees who are constrained to leave due to persecution, war, and natural disasters. And then there are people who come via the family class who are hoping to reunite with their family members who they may not have seen for several years. So there's a lot of reasons why South Asians and immigrants in general uh, come to Canada. But I think it's reasonable to say that most are coming um, in the hopes of a better life, whatever that may mean. So that's just something we want to make sure to be sensitive to. Yeah. And going off what Talasi said um, about most South Asian immigrants coming here for a better life. Uh, the other thing we have to be cognizant of is that Canada is not perfect. And that's something we will be acknowledging throughout this podcast. And we hope will become clear as you listen to, to, to us. Canada has an international reputation of being welcoming of immigrants and valuing diversity. And therefore, we tend to often compare ourselves favorably to our southern neighbor. For example, take the words of our premier, Doug Ford, when a lot of the protests were happening recently in, in the US and Canada. And he said, Canada doesn't have the same deep systemic roots of racism that US had. And frankly, that's not really true. We seldom discuss how Canada is a country built on colonial genocide of indigenous people and the enslavement of black people, which continue today in many contemporary ways. And we will be discussing that many times throughout this podcast. So really any analysis of Canadian institutions, such as our healthcare system, policing, education, and the inequalities these institutions perpetuate have to tie back to the interconnectedness of colonial genocide and anti-Blackness. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, I think it's important to just think about the fact that our experiences of racism in Canada as South Asians and our experiences of privilege, um, both of these are connected to this history of colonial genocide and anti-Blackness. The reason that we're able to exist on this land and have the privilege we have is due to both the forcible removal of indigenous people as well as the civil rights movement of black activists. But Nabila and I also want to make sure that we're clear about the fact that we're not trying to place blame on South Asian people, but rather just acknowledging that there's more to do in terms of learning, taking informed action and self-reflection. And there's a lot of different ways that you become engaged, as we will discuss throughout this podcast. You know, there's protesting, writing to the government, informed voting, and educating yourself and engaging in discourse. And at the same time, we also encourage our listeners to be more engaged at home and at work. You know, that means reflecting on your own behavior, reflecting on the behavior of the people um, you hang out with, your family, and also speaking up and making room for all voices at work. And Nabil and I are also cognizant of the fact that there is a lot of information out there and it can often be overwhelming because there is just so much literature and information as well as misinformation. So it may be a bit of a lofty goal, but we're hoping that we'll be able to break down these issues a little and maybe make the education process a little less confusing. So I guess what we're really trying to stress is that this podcast is going to be research-based. We want our listeners to know that we're committed to amplifying the voices of the communities we're discussing. 
And when discussing those communities, we want to be cognizant of the intersecting social and political identities of the members in those communities. This is often referred to as intersectionality, which is a term coined by Black activist and feminist Kimberly William Crenshaw. Additionally, throughout this podcast, you may experience some discomfort. And to be honest, we felt a lot of discomfort in putting this podcast together and we'll probably continue to do so. But it's really important for us to sit in that discomfort and understand where it's coming from. Often when we come across problems of injustice and inequity, we engage in what can be referred to as feelings advocacy. Essentially, we do anything and everything such as donating and protesting to make ourselves feel better and less guilty. But the problem with this type of advocacy is that as soon as we start feeling a little better, the work just stops, even though the injustices and inequities continue to persist. So what we really need to move over to is an outcome-based advocacy. And through this podcast, we hope to encourage you guys and keep ourselves accountable to continue doing the work to reach those outcomes. And we've got a lot more for you in the coming weeks um, that we hope you'll find both informative and educational, including conversations about policing, our healthcare system, sex and fetishization, capitalism and its contribution to income disparity, cultural appropriation, and the problem with relational trauma. So that's it for us. We hope that you'll tune in and take this opportunity to learn with us and um, grow with us and continue to do the work with us. Uh, so we're your hosts, Nabila and Talasi. And until next time, stay critical and stay engaged. Not Your Model Minority is hosted by Nabila Khan and Talasi Kandia. Special thanks to Himmel Kandiker, Simran Dillon, and Kunal Tandon for helping us produce this podcast. Our theme music is by Pink Marble. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at NYMM Podcast. You can also visit our website, notyourmodelminority.ca, to subscribe to our podcast on your platform of choice, such as Apple or Spotify, as well as find accessible versions of our episodes. Thanks for listening.